Christians. Our church is known as a missions-loving church. It's loving missionaries, supporting them. And as a little church, we send out thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars around this world in missions. And so we're going to be preaching on that this morning. But if you're here this morning and you have never truly trusted in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you need to know you need a missionary to speak to you. And Jesus Christ, God's Son, was heaven's missionary for us. He came to this earth, lived a perfect sinless life, so he could be a sinless sacrifice. Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. And he went to Calvary's cross, and in a few hours' time, suffered an eternity of hell on that cross. Tortured for me, for my sin, and for yours. Because he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You can't go any other way. Good works, religion, being a Baptist will take you to hell as fast as anything else. If that's what you're trusting in. This morning, if you're not sure where to die and that heaven would be your home, we invite you to come at the end of the service and we'll have someone take a Bible and show you how you can know what it says in 1 John 5, these things are written that you might know that you have eternal life. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. We'll show you from God's Word how you can be born again. didn't say join us. If you want to join us, that's fine, but being a Baptist doesn't save you just like any other religion. It's what have you done with Jesus. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, again we come before you and we seek your face. And I ask now, Father, you give me a fresh unction from on high. You give me clarity of thought and mind, Father. Take control of my mind and my mouth, the actions of my hands and feet. I pray that the message can be given succinctly and clearly. I pray, Father, that it would speak to hearts this morning and that, Father, you would increase our faith. Work in our midst and we'll give you all the praise, the honor, and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't mean to wince. <laughs> My wife tells me I should smile at all the times because when I don't, I look aggressive or just plain ugly. I don't know which one that is. <laughs> she doesn't say ugly. She just says aggressive. All right. But open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. <clears throat> For as touching the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you. For I know the forwardness of your mind, for which I boast of you to them of Macedonia and Achaia, which was ready, that Achaia was ready a year ago, and that your zeal hath provoked very many. Yet have I sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this behalf, that as I said, ye may be ready, lest haply if they of Macedonia come with me and find you unprepared. We, that we say not ye, should be ashamed in this same confident boasting. Therefore I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before unto you and make up beforehand your bounty, whereof ye had noticed before that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty and not of covetousness. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposed in his heart so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. 
And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor. His righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Being enriched in everything and all bountifulness, which causes through us thanksgiving to God. For the ministration of this service not only supplieth the want of the saints, but is abundant also by making a thanksgivings unto God. Verse 14, it says, And by their prayer for you, which long after you for exceeding grace of God in you, thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift. Um, title of this morning's message is The Blessing of Faith Promised Missions. And the title is God is Able. God is Able. Now again, just in a couple of weeks, we got next Sunday and then the following Sunday. In two weeks, our missions conference will start. People will turn in their cards on a Wednesday night saying what they will give either on a weekly, monthly, bi-monthly, whatever, how they, they set it up, a basis of what they're willing to give. And they're supposed to give by faith. Okay, and so that's, you know, that's the faith promises the way our church does it. And it teaches faith missions giving. It teaches it. Okay, and you need to understand your tithe, that's 10% of your gross, of your first fruits, belongs to God. That's not a gift you give him. If you don't tithe, I'm not trying to be offensive, but you're not right with God. Amen. A tithe is 10% off the top. God says that's his. If Israel had learned to do that, we wouldn't be paying 35, 40% taxes today. Just the truth of the matter. He said, they'll take it from you if you won't give it to me. You can study that out. So a tithe is an act of obedience. Missions giving is an act of love. An act of love. Old Testament missions. The people were to come to the temple. Turn to 1 Kings chapter 8. I got a long introduction and maybe a short message. Of course, all men are liars. And uh, hopefully it'll be a short message. 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 41, it says, Moreover, concerning a stranger that is not of thy people Israel, but cometh out of a far country for thy name's sake, because they, their God was known, because Israel is supposed to have been giving him glory, for they shall hear of thy great name, and of thy strong hand, and of thy stretched out arm, when he shall come and pray towards this house. See, this is Solomon's prayer at the dedication of the temple. Hear thou in heaven thy dwelling place, and do according to all that the stranger calleth to thee for, that all people of the earth may know thy name, to fear thee, as do thy people Israel, and that they may know that this house which I have builded is called by what? Thy name. It's a place where God reveals himself. It's the Old Testament temple. It's the place where the glory of God was manifested. God revealed himself there. You know, if you know anything about the temple, you had the holy place and you have the holy of holies. You have the outer court. You have the altar of incense. You have all the tables of the showbread, all the things. Each part of that has a spiritual significance in all eternity. You can study that out and look at some of the things and you can see that. It was a place, the Old Testament missions program 
was Israel had lived such before the countries and the world around them, they'd seen God's blessing upon them. Israel had bragged on them, gone into battle against overwhelming odds and won. So people would come because they wanted to meet the God of Israel. And he would manifest himself there. It was a meeting place for God and men. It was a place of sacrifice and of miracles. That's Old Testament missions. Come to the temple and learn of him. They were commanded to glorify him before the world. Turn to 1 Chronicles 29. In preparation for that missions work, Old Testament missions, the temple, okay, they were told to do certain things. I want to just read something quickly to you. This is from Shadrach, Meshach, Lockridge. That, people know him as S.M. Lockridge, a famous black Baptist preacher of a bygone era. He actually went home to be with the Lord. He preached over 60 years. He was in San Diego, California. He was known for his preaching across this world and across this country. A great man of God. Went home to be with the Lord in the year 2000. In Luke 6 and verse 46, King James it says, And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? And he preached a message that says there are four classes of people, four classes of men who may be described by their relationship to the Lord. Number one are those who neither call him Lord nor do the things that he says. Number two, those who call him Lord but do not the things that he says. Number three, those who do not call him Lord but do the things which he says. And number four, those who both call him Lord and do the things that he says. Man, that's the Christian life and that's what we see in this world, isn't it? First Chronicles 29. Furthermore, David the king said to the congregation, Solomon, my son, whom alone God hath chosen, is yet younger and tender, and the work is great, for the palace is not for man, but for the Lord God. Now watch what he says through here. Now I have prepared with all my might for the house of my God the gold for the things to be made of gold and silver for the things of silver and brass for the things of brass and iron for the things of iron, wood for the things of wood, onyx stones and stones to be set, glittering stones of diverse colors and all manner of precious stones and marble stones in abundance. They were coming and they were looking at this glorious structure that pointed to this is where God meets with men. And he says, Moreover, because I have set my affection, your heart is the seat of your affections. I have set my affections to the house of my God and of mine own power, own proper good of gold, silver, which I have given to the, to the house of my God over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house. He's saying, I'm given this above and beyond. He set his heart on the Lord. Okay? Even 3,000 talents of gold and of gold of Ophir and of 7,000 talents of refined silver to overlay the walls of the houses withal. The gold for the things of gold and silver for the things of silver and for all manner of work to be made by the hands of the artificers. Who then is willing, see, to consecrate his service this day to the Lord. Then the chief of the fathers, the princes, the tribes of Israel, and the captains of the thousands and the hundreds with the rulers of the king's work offered what? Willingly. And they all gave for the service of the house of gold because that was Old Testament missions. 
It's about a missions work. And to draw people to it. Jesus said, if I, if I be lifted up, I will what? Draw men unto me. Look at verse 8. And they, whom prepare, they with whom precious stones were found gave them to the treasure house of the Lord by the hand of Jehiel the Gershonite. And the people rejoiced that they had what? That they offered willingly because with a what? Perfect heart they offered willingly to the Lord. And David the king also rejoiced with great joy. Wherefore David blessed the Lord before all the congregation, and David said, Blessed be thou, Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty, for all that is in heaven and in earth is thine. Who does it belong to? Christian, you're a steward of God's blessings. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come of thee. And thou reignest over all, and in thine hand is power and might, and in thine hand is to make great and to give strength unto all. Now therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. And here's the right attitude. Who am I? But who am I, and what is my people, that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort? For all things come of thee, and of thine own hand we have given thee. They're giving back the blessing. All that they had had come from God. I pulled myself up by my bootstraps. I'm a man of mine own making. Well, I don't think so. Because in Jesus, we live and breathe and have our being. If He didn't let you breathe, you wouldn't be. For we are strangers before thee and sojourners as were our, all our fathers. If you're saved, you're a stranger and a foreigner in a foreign land. You're looking for a heavenly Jerusalem. As were all our fathers. Our days on earth are as a shadow. What is your life but a vapor that appears for a little time and then what? O Lord, our God, all this store that we have prepared to build thee in house for thine holy name cometh of thine own hand and is all thine own. I know also, my God, that thou tryest, what? Missions given is about the heart. And hath pleasure in uprightness. As for me, in the uprightness of mine heart, see, David was a man after God's own heart, I have willingly offered all these things, and I have seen with joy thy people, which are present here today, to offer willingly unto thee. O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and in Israel, our fathers, keep this forever in the imagination of the thoughts of the heart of thy people, and prepare their heart unto thee and give unto Solomon my son a perfect heart to keep thy commandments thy testimonies and thy statutes and do all these things and to build the palace for which I have made pavilion provision excuse me see I love that it's now I have prepared with all my might for the house of my God, 1 Chronicles 29.2 verse 3 moreover because I have set my affections on the house of my God Verse 5, second half, and said, And who then is willing to consecrate his service this day unto the Lord? You know what you find also in verse 9, you find a perfect heart. In verse 17, the heart is mentioned twice. In verse 18, the heart is mentioned. Verse 19, the heart is mentioned. Do you think God's trying to get our attention about our heart? We don't make decisions off of knowledge. We make decisions off where our affections are set. 
Verse 6, it says they offered willingly. Verse 9, they offered willingly with a perfect heart. They offered willingly. Verse 14, offer so willingly. Verse 17, have willingly offered. Offer willingly. See, the offering for missions was a heart matter. The heart is the seed of your emotions. I'm not talking about the pump in your chest. I'm talking about your spiritual heart. Question. Did the Old Testament missions plan work? Only for a little while. Only for a little while. You know why? Because God's people's heart grew cold toward the temple's source of power. You started doing things in their own strength. They forgot that the God whose temple it was was the Creator God, omnipotent in power. They forgot. What sort of things are written aforetime for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope? Their hearts grew cold. You know why? Although they prepared and they took an offering, they only took one. I did my duty. They took one offering. There was no continuing remembrance of what the offering was for and who it represented. It was a one-time offering. You see that? Matthew 28, verses 18-20 through 20 says, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore. What? And all nations teaching them. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, and teaching them what, what sort of things I have commanded you. Mark 16, 15, go into all the world. Acts 1, 8, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and into Judea and to Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. New Testament missions. Old Testament was come to the temple, see God's glory. Hear the testimony of God's people. And they forgot their God. And they've been struggling ever since. Israel is the most blessed and the most cursed nation on the face of this earth. They're still paying for forgetting the temple. And it's no longer there. Now you know everything to rebuild the temple is there waiting for the dome of the winds, not the dome of the rock. They want to rebuild it, and they will be rebuilt. But the first glory was to give glory to God. And isn't it interesting that it's got gold and silver in it, and silver's the price of your redemption? Gold represents the glory of God. We think so much of silver and gold here on this earth, but in heaven, we walk on it. You don't need to pick it up anymore. It's what they pave with. Okay? New Testament missions is the temple goes out to the people. The people don't come to the temple. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, which ye have, which is in you? Therefore glorify God with your body and with your, your spirit, which are His, right? Jesus Christ is in the believer. If you're here this morning and you're saved, you have the permanent indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Now, you cannot listen to Him. The Bible says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed on a day of redemption. 
It also says, and quench not the spirit. That's when you stop listening. When I think of that, you know what I think of? It's, Heather used to tease me, and it was something when she was a, a teenager, a girl, that, there was that thing where they'd turn around and they'd go. Talk to the hand. Because the ears aren't listening. And I'd look at her and she goes, Daddy, you know I didn't mean it. I'm just having fun. See, now the power source for the Old Testament missions program was God. The Creator God. The power source for the New Testament missions program is the same God. He's omnipotent. And He says, go. Do you go to your neighbor? Do you go to the person you work with? The kids are not in here. If they're in a public school, they can go to their... You know, kids can witness in school where a teacher can't. In New York, I don't know how it is in every state, but a teacher can, can't put their Bible on their desk. They can keep one in their drawer so that when they're asked, they can witness to the child the child asks, but they can't actively in a public school. At least that's my understanding. If I'm wrong, please correct me. Because God's 100% right all the time. Just ask my wife. I am not. It says go. Do you go to who you can go to? But it also tells us to go to the next county, the next town. See, we street preach in Oswego, Fulton, and Woolcott. We're just filling the Great Commission. We go. Highways and byways. You can go to the next state. You know, we've had a track mailed back to us from Ohio. Someone went through and they left a fellowship track league with our stamp on it. The track got mailed back to this church. I think I have it in a file someplace. And the track said, thank you for the person who gave this to me. I prayed the prayer, Jesus is my Savior. You can do that. Can you go? Can you go? Or can you give to those who will? That's what it's about. 1 Corinthians chapter 8. I mean 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Second Corinthians chapter 8. We're getting at the heart of the message. first part was introduction. You need to know what missions is. It's drawing and giving glory to God before a lost and dying world, telling them that He is the only deliverer. Old Testaments, they came to the temple. New Testament, you're the temple. You're the temple. You're to go. That's the Great Commission. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. First thing I want you to know, just as it was in the Old Testament, it has to be done willingly. First, 2 Corinthians chapter over. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches in Macedonia. Watch this. How that in a great trial of affliction, they were going through it, in the abundance of their joy, in their what? Geez, that's Emmanuel. We don't have any millionaires in this church. If you know one and you're saved, invite them to come. 
I'll make sure he tied. No, I can't do that. Their deep poverty abounded under the riches of their liberality. Even though they didn't have much, they gave liberally. For to their power I bear record, yea, and what? They gave of what power? God's power. Beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, praying with us much entreaty that we would receive the gift to take upon us the fellowship of the ministering of the saints. He's, Paul is talking about an offering given for Paul to continue his work of missions and meeting the needs of the saints who were being persecuted. And this they did not as we hoped, but first they what? Gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. You're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God with your body and your spirit, which are His. Insomuch that we desired Titus, that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. Teach the Corinthian church about how to give to missions. Therefore, as we abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge and in diligence and in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. See, there's some churches today, Baptist churches, I won't tell you what uh, convention they belong to. A lot of their missions work is physical missions. They go and they build things and they try to help poverty situations. But they're not aggressive in evangelizing those that they're helping physically. See, Paul brought offerings to help the saints and to do things like that, but he also was there because the most important thing is what will you do with Jesus? Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge and in diligence and in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. I speak not by commandment, but by the occasion of the forwardness of others to prove what? It's always a heart matter. It's always a heart matter. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, all of heaven was his, yet for your sake he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be made rich. And herein do I give my advice, and it is expedient for you. That means necessary. It's expedient. It's something that should take place. Who have begun before not only to do so, but also to be forward a year ago. Now therefore perform the doing of it. And as there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also out of that which ye have. You can't give what you what? Don't have. We'll talk about that in a minute. For if there be first a willing, you remember times it said willing back in Chronicles? Huh? If there be a willing mind, it is accepted according to the man hath, and not according that he hath not. For I mean not that other men should be eased and ye burdened, but by an inequality, by an equality that now at this time your abundance may be a supply for their want, and their abundance also may be a supply for your want, that there may be equality. As it is written, he that hath gathered much, had nothing over, and he that hath gathered little had no lack. But thanks be to God, which put the same earnest care into the heart of Titus for you. For indeed he accepted the exhortation, being more forward of his own accord, he went unto you. And we have sent with him the brother whose praise is in the gospel throughout the churches. Sent somebody with him whose testimony of Jesus Christ 
was known through all the churches. And that not only, and not that only, but who was also chosen of the churches to travel with us with this grace, which is administered by us to the glory of the same Lord and the declaration of your ready mind. Avoiding this, that no man should blame us in any abundance which is administered by us. Providing for honest things, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. Congress, are you listening? And we have sent with them our brother, whom we have oftentimes proved diligent in many things, but now much more diligent upon the great confidence which we have in you. Whether any do inquire of Titus, he is my partner and fellow helper concerning you, or our brethren be inquired of, they are the messengers of the churches in the glory of Christ. Wherefore, show ye them and before the churches the proof of your love and of our boasting on your behalf. That's faith, grace giving. He's told there in verse 3 that the churches in Macedonia, they gave beyond their power. Another power source. In verse 4, Prayer was given to the matter. We hand out the cards today. It's not for you to take the card and then go, okay, go on with your life and then just turn around and show up on Sunday morning and go, oh, I was supposed to pray for that. No, we're asking you to pray for God to work in your heart to know what God would have you to do in giving. Verse 5, they first gave of their own selves. Verse 7, he's telling the church at Corinth that they should abound in this grace also. See, it's faith, grace, giving. Verse 8, it said it's going to prove the sincerity of your love. In verse 9, we're told that Jesus gave. Isn't that amazing? See? For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that through though he was rich for your sakes, he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be made rich. That's the definition of grace. Unmerited favor. Receiving good blessing and benefit of that which you didn't earn. That's Jesus Christ. That's the definite definition of grace giving or giving grace. It's a heart matter. Jesus gave. The Apostle Paul said, Be ye followers of me as I am of Christ. The Apostle Paul gave, gave his life. Dr. Sam Gipp, good friend, a mentor, someone I look up to, he said, To love is to give. Giving is an act of sacrifice. The greater your personal sacrifice in giving, the greater display of the love you show. Hmm? The love you show. I think of a beautiful story written about a man who was loved with a woman who was sick. And as the leaves fell off the trees outside her window... She got weaker and weaker and weaker. And he loved her, and she didn't really fully understand it. And it came down, there was only one leaf left on the tree. They were preparing for her to die. That night, the man put a very high ladder to come up to the third-story window of her place, and he painted a leaf on her window and attached the stem of the tree to the leaf. But in climbing down, he fell and died. She looked the next morning, and the leaf was there. 
and she went through her winter season. That's what it is when you're sick and things are going bad. It's a winter. It's when things just dry up and die. The leaf was there. And when the springtime came again, new leaves opened up. And she thrived. And she realized, after seeing how it was put there, what real love is willing to give. No man hath greater love than this, but that a man lay down his what? For his friends. But God commendeth his love towards us in that why we were not his friends. Christ sacrificed for us. Died for us. He proved his love. That's the key of giving. It's an act of love. Look at verses 11 and 12 of that chapter. 2 Corinthians 8. Now therefore perform the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also out of what? That which you have. For there first be a willing mind is accepted according to the man hath, and not according to the hath not. The key to giving is giving of what you have. You say, I don't have anything to give. Oh, yeah, you do. It's your sacrifice. You can't give what you don't have, but you can give of what you have. Okay? God gave the best he had. Didn't he? He gave us his son. Jesus gave us the best he had. He gave us himself. The first missionary gave himself. Was it sacrificial giving? It was. It was a sacrifice. But you can only give what you have. Jesus gave himself. God gave his son. All the material goods in the world would not have washed me or cleansed me of my sin. And my heavenly father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. You don't think so? You can learn it. See, you've got to give of what you have. We had a lady one time was in our church. She hadn't been saved a real long time, and she got involved with Faith Promise Missions giving here in the church. She never did. She heard it explained, and she didn't pay attention to that part. So she put in this card, and she promised by faith to give this great big amount, and the woman had nothing. She had very little money, trying to raise some kids, single mom. And she thought, well, if I give this, God will give it to me so I can give it. That's unbiblical. It says here, give of what you have. And she had to learn. We couldn't go by the amount she gave. We don't want anybody to put their name on the cards. You look at that card, you take it. You keep one little half that's your receipt to remind you so that you don't forget your commitment to the Lord and to missions. The other half, the cards are collected. No names are put on it. You put down whether you're giving weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, bi-monthly, or even if you're not going to do that and you're really not doing faith promise, you give a one-time offering. Whatever you give, you know what? We will not turn it away. We will joyfully take it, and everything that's given goes to missions. Amen? Okay. They gave the best they had. You can only give what you have. You notice it says a readiness to will. Verse 11. Verse 12. Of a willing mind. See, 
You've got to be willing. Readiness to will. Has God got what you have? If you forget that God keeps you alive, you know, he could take you home. I'm not trying to scare anybody to give one. I just want you to understand, all that you have is his. Question is, if God's got what you have, are you giving? If he doesn't, why would he give you more? Any of you have an idea who the owner of Quaker Oats, the original founder of Quaker Oats? You know, famous oatmeal company, right? His name was Henry P. Crowell. He's a Christian. He gave 60 to 70% of all his profits to the work of God. How about William Colgate? That's Colgate Palmolive, founder of that corporation. He gave more than he kept. Pastor Christian used to love to talk about R.G. Letourneau, who was a rich Christian man. Gave 90% of all that he earned, kept 10, lived on 10%. These are all millionaires, they're billionaires by today's standard. A.A. Hyde, you wouldn't know him, but how many of you have ever heard of mentholanum deep heating rub? He's the inventor of that. He gave 50% of all. Here's one that most people don't think about because his family went corrupted afterwards they put their eye on the money, and that was John D. Rockefeller. You know, Nelson Rockefeller that used to be the governor of this state a long time ago who wasn't a really great guy, his family, I think it was his grandpa, maybe it was his dad, gave double. Plus. I'm just giving you an example. You say, well, rich people can't give. No. You know what? You teach your child to tithe on a dollar, they're going to give a dime. It's easy to give. Then when they learn later to tithing because it belongs to God, you teach your children to give to missions. You know what they learn? They learn to give. The blessing of giving. Okay? 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 6, it says, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall also reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. I'm not saying you give to get from God, but I want you to understand sowing and reaping is the principle of God's Word. It's biblical. And the negative side is if you sow to the flesh, of the flesh you reap corruption. If you sow to the Spirit of the Spirit, you reap what? Okay. That's the law of sowing and reaping. One seed produces multiple fruit. More seeds produce more fruit. You got unsaved loved ones? What have you sown? What have you sown? 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says it's a heart matter. He that purposeth in his heart your affections. You don't give grudgingly or of necessity. There's no have to. We don't want your names on it. We don't know. We do. You know before God what you, what you commit to. And you answer to God for that because we don't know what person gives. We don't want to know. That gives us liberty to preach what God would have us to preach. And there's no looking at one person higher than another. It's a promise. And it says, all grace, all sufficiency, and all things. See, God is able in all things. And that doesn't just apply to missions giving. Now, quickly, I'll do a demonstration for you down front. 
Pastor Kenny says, Pastor Legault, the first time I ever saw you do that, I never forgot it. Never forgot it. Okay? Who's the source of the blessing? Right? God's the source. Amen? You're not the source. You're just a funnel that God's going to pour his blessing through. Now, I owned a pond. The pond has a place where water comes out of it. It doesn't. The pond goes stagnant. And eventually, the fish will die. There's flowing water through there. Do you know rivers cleanse themselves by the water flowing through? Okay? The Dead Sea is a dead sea because stuff flows in but can't flow out. I've been out to Great Salt Lake. It's salt, but it's not a great lake. Okay? Because nothing flows out of it. If you just take stuff into your body, no matter what you eat, you can eat healthy. If you never pass anything out, guess what's going to happen? You're going to go stagnant. You're going to stink. All right? Well, spiritually, I want you to see the same type of thing. God's the source. It's all sufficiency. It's by God. The funnel's not the source. But what happens if God's the source? See? Ready? I got to pick the top off, it won't let it flow out fast enough. It's controlled by what? How big the funnel is, right? Isn't that neat? Some people, they're just so small, and even though they might think they have a big hole, they can't hold much water because it's going to make a mess when they're small. Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? See how fast it comes out of the funnel? You know what the neat thing about that is? I didn't do that. My wife did. She cut that off because she uses the can. She doesn't want the stuff plugging up the funnel. Now, if the funnel's big enough, it comes out, doesn't it? If God's the source of all that you have, and He can't give to you because it'll cause you to go stagnant, He'll give through you. And the more that goes through you, you know what the neat thing about it is? <laughs> Michael looked at me this morning, he goes, Dad, are those your deer funnels? <laughs> I love the deer hunt. I have a little refrigerator in my, my, my breezeway. It's full of doe estrus, 
Young Buck P. Old Buck P. You know what I'm saying? And I fill little things up with it. I didn't use those funnels, I promised you. I wouldn't do that to your pot. That stuff's strong. One time she used my refrigerator. She was having a bunch of ladies over, and she put a bunch of soda in the same refrigerator, and it was in those jars. Every one of those aluminum cans absorbed that smell. You know what the Bible says? Out of his belly shall flow rivers of... Not only does it flow through the funnel, when it flows through... It cleanses the funnel. If you plug it, it can only hold so much, and eventually it gets filthy and stagnant. Now you say, if you're here this morning and you're saved, you're nothing but a funnel for God. You're a funnel. And God can't give you what He'll let flow through you. Apostle Paul said, I have learned in whatever state I'm in, therewith to be content. In our church, we started a little church, Pastor Christian, 16 people, a couple of young kids, 14 adults started this church. And Pastor Christian said, I want this to be a missions giving church. And we started, and he had never done faith promise. He saw it demonstrated, and he says, Brian, we need to do it that way. I was a deacon. Howard was a deacon. Yes, we're some of the dinosaurs of Emmanuel. Okay. John Wall was the treasurer. That's the funniest thing you ever see with that because he can't count. (laughs) 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 They still love me because he counts where it counts most. That's the strongest prayer warrior in this church. Okay. If I said that and I offend you, then you're jealous. Jesus said in John 7, 38, He that believeth on me, saith the Scripture, hath said, Out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. We wanted our church to grow. We started giving, you know. We started giving. We started witnessing. We were doing our going around here. And we trusted, you know, and got interested in missions. We prayed more. We made more investments in tracts. Preaching made us more soul conscious. We encouraged people to personally witness. We had people leave here because they don't like it that we push, we encourage people to witness and give out tracts. Visitors would come, we're looking for a new church, but they, they, you know, it's like, I don't want that. I want to feel good when I go to church. I don't want to feel I have an obligation. So some people left, some people stayed. You know, we encouraged the witness and to trust more in God. We chose our name, Emmanuel. What does it mean? God with us. We want God with us. The principle of that. We wanted more boldness for God. We wanted more willingness for God. And it started off, we were willing just a little. And as we grew, we learned God was able. And we became a little more willing. We prayed for our outreach. Paul Victor, 200 churches in India. Jeff Williams. This is his fourth, fourth that he's actually staying. He's actually started two or three outside works in New Zealand. Jeff Williams. Randy and Ellen Mumper in Canada. 
Mike and Georgianne. You just see him. Georgianne is the sweet person married to a mustache. <laughs> Going out giving scripture signs all across this country. Mainly on the East Coast, but then they make their West trip working for what? Gospel text missions. One of our missionaries. Matt and Jen Sutton. I talked to you last Sunday about him. Or Wednesday about him. and praying for them in the Arctic Circle. Missionaries directly out of our church. We've had others that went and come back. We've had people go out of this church. We were praying for God to work. We had five young people head off to Bible college. Some of them are here and serving. One of them became your pastor. And he's preaching at a camp meeting up in Nova Scotia this morning. They learned when they were young to give the faith promise. They learned to have a willing heart. They learned to give and to go. Isn't that amazing? Because ultimately, faith promise, grace giving glorifies God. Back in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, we're coming down to it and end, I promise. While the experiment of the ministration, they glorified God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ. They were <laughs> the professed giving. Now he's saying, now let your profession be matched by your actions. And that's what it's talking about. Do you understand that they pray for you? You know how many times we hear from Paul Victor? They're praying for Emmanuel. They've held all night in prayer vigils for this church. Emmanuel's known all over India, 200 churches worth. Some of them smaller than us, some of them a lot bigger than us. But their church is started by a missionary that we're the home church for. They pray for us. They pray for you. They ask. They pray about the health concerns. They pray about your families. They pray about the people you're witnessing to. Okay, now the problem was in the Old Testament, the offering was taken one time and they lost sight of the God they were glorifying. New Testament's offerings are to be regularly and consistently. And faith promise missions. And if our faith grows, our giving should grow. I don't know who gives what. I know what Judy and I give. We've never gone back. We've always increased. I think maybe we stayed the same one time. We've always increased. We pray and ask what God would have us to do. You know what it is? If you're asking unsaved people to come to the Savior, you never know. You give to missions and God may work in the heart of someone who will go to your family member in another state because you're faithful in giving. It's God's missions plan. It teaches us God is able. It increases our faith because you have to give sacrificially. You've got to give of what you have. You can't spend as much, Bryant, on your Pepsi. I have nothing to give. The widow gave two mites. 
She gave all that she had. Pastor Rick DeMichael, the pastor of the church I'm going out to speak at for, for their missions conference, he said something the first time I heard him preach. I wrote it in my Bible. He's never doubt in the darkness what God's shown you in the light. See, and God will help you understand the cost of a soul. Now we can go, but the only way we can send money on ahead to heaven is through missions. Your tithe doesn't do that. The tithe is for the working and the pay the bills and the stuff at this church. God commands you to tithe. Tithing is in before with Abraham during the law with Moses. And it's understood in the New Testament because it talks about offerings. It wasn't an offering if it was the tithe. So don't take from your tithe to give to missions. That's the rule of that. We hand out the cards. We're asking you to pray. What would God have you to do? What can you show of your love sacrificially for the sacrifice he made for you? Please stand. I don't know if God's speaking to anybody's heart in a different way this morning. This is not a normal message to engender people to come to the pulpit, I mean to come to the altar. Besides, you get in front of the table here and you might get wet. I spilled some. But we've asked you. We support our missionaries. And we don't cut them back. We support our missionaries according to what people by faith promise to give this coming year towards missions. We're asking you to pray about it. We're asking you to give yourselves first. It's not, can I handle this and still do everything I want? It's, God, what will you have me to do? You willing to say that today, to pray about it, our missions conference? This church, depending on the, the, the flow and the, the, the adding and the losing of people in our church, at one point we gave $90,000 a year to Faith Promise. We weren't near that this past year. A few years further, we had some very good givers. They moved away. So it's not a case of you have to meet 90,000. You have to meet what God would have you to do. Are you teaching your children? Because you have a responsibility to do so. Do they tithe of what they have? And do you have them pray and give to missions? One of the sweetest things I ever saw was a missions card coming in with a, I think Carol, was it like a dime? Years ago, a dime a week for missions. You don't know what God can do with that dime. I know he fed 5,000 people with a little boy's lunch, five loaves and two fishes. What can he do with you? You've got speaking to your hearts. Are you first willing to give yourself and then to give to him? You've got speaking to your heart. You need to come to the altar no matter whatever it is. You come. If you're here and you're not sure if you were to die, heaven would be your home. You come. We'll have someone not embarrass you, but take you to a room, a man with men and boys, and a, a, a woman with ladies and girls. And they'll show you from the Word of God how you can know that heaven is your home. You do as the Lord leads. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to preach your Word. And I pray, Father, that you'd help us to be the funnels you've called us to be. Help us, Father, enlarge us, increase our faith.
Help us, Father, to see the great things that you can do because you choose, Father, you have all that power and authority, but you choose to do it through your people. You limit yourself through us. Help us to show a world that we have an unlimited God. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.